0: There's a discrepancy in the Genesis narrative that leads the rabbis to a startling and stunning, surprising midrash. We're told that God declared that the trees of the earth should bring forth Eitz oseh pri limino. Asher zarobo that trees should bring forth fruit that are a tree that makes a fruit. And the language of it is very odd because when the narrative then tells us how the fruits are brought forth, it says, let me know that there is a type of fruit that's made from a tree, not a tree fruit, but a fruit that brings forth trees. That that small discrepancy leads the rabbis to this startling midrash. At the inception of creation, says the midrash, it was intended that the tree have the same taste as the fruit. That we would all be eating bark. (laughs) Apple bark and orange bark. And on this midrash, the rabbis claim that there was a quote-unquote sin of the earth. A sin of the earth, whatever that means. Obviously a parable for something. I'm not going there. But I want to go to where Rav Kook takes us. The first chief rabbi of Palestine, Ra'ayah Kook, Rav Avram Svi, from Avram Yitzchak Koin Cook, writes in Oros Atshuva, in light of penitence, all the supportive actions that sustain any general worthwhile spiritual goal should by right be experienced in the soul with the same feeling of elation and delight as the goal itself is experienced when we envision it. Right? All of the actions that sustain us towards a given goal should by right, he writes, be experienced in the soul with the same feeling of elation and delight as the goal itself. But earthly existence and the instability of life, the weariness of the spirit when confined in a corporate frame, brought it about that only the fruition of the final step, which embodies the primary ideal, is experienced in its pleasure and splendor, the trees that bear the fruit, but not the tree itself. We might say that desire and its goal and its object feel very different. That the locus of desire, the yearn for object, subject, thing, goal, when I get there, that's what we have our eye on. It's the prize. But says Rav Kook, that's lamentable. That isn't as it should have been. It isn't the ideal. In an idyllic world, Means and goals would bring equal amounts of pleasure. Desire and the satisfaction of desire. I remember as a 20-something-year-old kid, uh, far, sorry to 20-something-year-olds, <laughs> that someone said to me that there are two great disappointments in life, not getting what you want and getting what you want. The Buddhists had that very well, that to some degree there is A remainder always in that which we yearn for. How else do we explain that insatiable hungry ghost that we know lives inside each and every one of us that is preyed upon day and night, night and day by every imaginable, sensual, sensory medium and root? You don't yet have enough, do you? I guess I don't. I guess I should have more. This fulfillment of the desire as endless, desire as endless, wanting more, is hardwired into the structure of our own minds. Having ourselves focused on the journey as well as the destination, the joy of desire itself and not just its fruits, can reconnect us to our basic aliveness, our fundamental humanity, and our essential core nature. With that Midrash, I want to ask a simple question about this week's Torah reading. What is Yitro doing here? In the Torah's version of how things are going, we're about to be at Mount Sinai. We've just experienced the exodus. We've just come forth from slavery. We've just made our way out from the narrow place. The waters have parted. Our anxiety, our pain, our frustration has been relieved. And all of a sudden, the Torah decides to interrupt this message. This seamless message from Exodus to Revelation. From leaving Egypt to arriving at Mount Sinai. Freedom from towards freedom to is interrupted by an outsider. This Jethro, Yitro, arrives on the scene and he brings... Moses, his wife, and two children. I was thinking about that this week as I traveled to Boulder to visit my Rebbe, to visit Reb Zalman Shalomi, and to participate in a conference of rabbis. I had to leave behind my own wife and my two little boobies. And I was thinking as I'm reading Yitro this morning and yesterday and this morning, would Moses have moved on without his wife and children had Yitro not arrived? Is that possible? It's almost like an afterthought. Yitro arrives, and it's like, oh, I have your wife and your two children. Did you forget them? <laughs> what are you doing? And this isn't, I mean, Rabjil, it's interesting, right? Because later on, there's going to be interesting stuff around Zipporah, too. And Moses might have a domestic issue around the, the dichotomy between Sinai and domestic life. He's, he's a career man. And he's married to his work. And his work is saving the Jewish people, and by the way, just parenthetically, that's borne out by the usage of the term Lotov, which his, his father-in-law will tell him in a moment. It's not good for you to be alone in your work. And that only other time that Lotov appears is what by marriage. So you're married to your work, his father-in-law said. Lotov hadavar shayatah said it's not good. So along comes Jethro, and you might say, okay, he came to bring his daughter and. His two two grandchildren, okay. But then he goes on to say, listen to what he says. I heard all the things that your God did for you. I brought you your son, sons and your wife. Vayomer el-Moshe, he says to Moshe, I am your father-in-law, I am Yitro, your father-in-law. I've come to you. And then Moses goes out to meet him. And he tells him all of the things that happened. And Yitro was excited. He rejoiced. He's very excited about what happened. And then this line. He says... Thank God. Blessed is God. And says the Midrash on that, Rabbi Papias said, This is not a good moment in Jewish history. This verse is actually bearing out something negative about the the Israelites. There were 600,000 people there. And they offered songs, they offered tambourines, and not one of them said, Baruch Hashem, thank God. Not one of them said, Blessed is the source of life. This becomes, in our tradition, the source of the blessing that you make when you've un- undergone something very dangerous, what's called Birchata Gomel. We learned Birchata Gomel from Yitro, from Jethro. So let's get this straight, everybody. 600,000, maybe 3 million human beings experience a parting of the sea. They arrive at the other place. And along comes Jethro and says, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Adonai, thank God. The Baal Shem Tov, the great Baal Shem Tov, used to always love to go around and ask people, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? You know why? He wanted them to all say, Baruch Hashem. (laughs) He wanted them to name their blessing. He wanted to to invoke blessing. They wanted them to peel away the layers of moment-to-moment disappointment and dukkha and suffering and to say, this is blessed. And we needed someone from the outside to come and teach us that, that what we had was beautiful. It's a conversation about desire. Our friends, the Buddhists, have a wonderful parable. They say that there's a young woman, She's walking through a field when she encounters a tiger that eyes her hungrily. She runs and the tiger pursues her. She comes to a cliff and takes hold of the root of a wild vine and in a single motion swings herself over the precipice and dangling there from the precipice. She looks down and there's another tiger below her. (laughs) Presumably a hungry one. The two tigers are prowling, one above, one below, and she's in the middle, clinging to the vine, and suddenly she notices that two mice are eating away at the vine. They start to gnaw at the roots, and just at that moment she notices a wild strawberry in the cleft of the rock. It's growing nearby, and she reaches with one hand to pluck the strawberry, still clutching to the vine with the other, and places the fruit in her mouth, taking one bite, noticing how sweet it is. One of the great paradoxes of desire is that it must fail in order to succeed. There has to be remainder. There still is something left. We're running away from the tiger, and there's another tiger, and there's a desire in front of us, a desire behind us. We're disappointed with what we came from. We're anticipating what will come. It won't be enough. And the Buddha say, she notices a strawberry, and she puts it in her mouth and says, <laughs> Baruch Hashem. <laughs> ah, or Amitovo, Amitovo. Buddha blessed. This is what Jethro came to teach the Israelites. It is the essence of a teaching from Rav Nachman of Breslev, who writes, "Azamra I will sing to God while I still am. Beod means with my extra, with my ode, shali, with my little bit more. I will sing to God from that place of little bit more that comes when I look deeply into matter, into moments, and I unfurl, uncover, discover reclaim the blessing that is already there. The Israelites are thinking about Mount Sinai. They have their minds on leaving Egypt. And Yitro says, well, what about right now, right here? Before you get to Mount Sinai, before you get the Torah, right here, right now, stop (laughs) fetching. Tigers in front of you, tigers behind you. What about this? Just this. I will sing to God with just this that is right here, as as Jessica spoke so beautifully last week about that song in the middle of the sea, the song that splits the sea, I will sing from that place. And that, everybody, is the meaning of Tubishvat. We sing tonight after services at the Seder, that wonderful, symbolic expression of hope amidst the winter. That right now in the middle of the winter we don't see the trees yet growing but we say there's the strawberry. There's the sap rising beneath the ground. We haven't yet arrived at Mount Sinai. We haven't yet arrived at Passover but we're singing tonight. Every single fruit says the Kabbalah is covered in a klipah, in a husk, in a shell but the nut is inside and that you and I and each and every one of us, we are nutcrackers one and all seeking that inner goodness, that Rav Nachman spoke of. And we do that with ourselves. We do that with our neighbors. We do that with our world. That is Yitro's legacy. The invitation to say, Baruch Hashem. To find the goodness in a given moment. To believe in that goodness against all evidence, perhaps. That's Jethro. That's why his name, Yitro, means more. Yoter. It comes from the word yeter. To be more. The world could be more. You could be more. I could be more. But first, let me appreciate this towards more. This towards more. And that, my friends, is a legacy of also another great man whom we are honoring this weekend. A man who spoke with a strong voice. Strong enough that it took his life who believed until his last day that if he believed in my goodness and your goodness, despite all evidence to the contrary, that he would win, that we would win. That in a society that is shelled with racism and with smallness, whose klipa, whose external husk is inequality, where we judge each other not only any longer by our color of skin, but by how much and what kind of job we have and what kind of apartment we live in and what neighborhood we go to. Martin Luther King a long time ago said to our most bitter opponents, we say we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your unjust laws, because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with the good. So throw us in jail, and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead, and we shall still love you but be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day, we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves, we shall so appeal to your heart, to your hidden nikudah Tovah, that inner spark that is O, that is extra, that is yours, that is Yoter, that is Yitro, that is there, that is Baruch Hashem, that is good. We will so appeal to your heart and conscience That we shall win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. A double victory. That's what we're all dreaming for, no? That's what we wake up in the morning and go to bed at night hoping for. That we ourselves in our love and in our awareness can open before us the victory that is latent. That is there waiting between what we expect will come and what we're disappointed came in that in-between, we are called to elevate, to release. I want to bless you, and I want you to bless me back. Bless me that we overcome that which seems absolutely, overwhelmingly unable to be overcome, that we have the insight, that we have the strength, that we have the wisdom to appreciate the strawberries that are right here, The wife, the children, the things we left that need to be brought back to us. This place right here is blessed, says Yisro. And so say all of you. Let us say amen. Amen.